today on From A to Ziggy. After today. Welcome to From A to Ziggy. This is the podcast in which we listen to every song by David Bowie in alphabetical order. My name is Thomas. My name is Travis. And today we're talking about After Today, an outtake from the Young Americans album recorded around 1974 and first appearing on the Sound and Vision compilation in 1989. Um, What do you think? This is a really, really fun song. This song, if you listen to it, it'll make you feel like a world beater. It's just like, it's so peppy, and the message is just like, you know, I used to be so down. But after today, the whole world's going to turn around. Like, this song is, it's... I want the montage of me turning my life around set to this song. Either this song or, like, Don't Stop Me Now. I feel like Queen's Don't Stop Me Now is this song's, like, kindred spirit. I don't know that one. It's, uh, so it's on the jazz album. So actually, I read an article where it was, maybe because they just didn't use After Today, but it was scientifically proven to be one of the most upbeat songs ever written, if not the most upbeat song ever written. What song is this? Uh, Don't Stop Me Now. Okay. Scientifically proven. Scientifically Science proven. Says, Science says. Queens. If you Google Don't Stop Me Now, most upbeat song, there are actual articles that will come up. Google says. Science says. Yes. I'm quoting science via Google. <laughs> That's close enough. Just a fun song. Tell me more about the lyrics to this song, because I've never actually been able to pay attention to them. <laughs> because I'm kind of distracted. By something about the song. Would that something be the falsetto in the chorus? Yeah, it's David Bowie's voice. <laughs> I can't get over the falsetto, and his, he's sort of cracking. Yeah, like, it's, it's a little... It, it is pitchy. It's very pitchy. But that's kind of... That's, I think that's something I find so endearing about it. I like it when artists that are so perfect most of the time show a little bit of the cracks. It reminds me of, so there's, uh, God, I wish I could remember who wrote this. But they were talking about the album, uh, they were talking about Rumors, Fleetwood Mac's Rumors. How everything is so produced for that album. Because Lindsey Buckingham was like so controlling and wanted everything to be just so. But in some of the songs you can hear like the squeaking of his hands going up the fretboard. And it sounds like something that he would never let through. But it, it finds its way on there. It's this nice human moment. And when you're listening to so, you know, when you're listening to David Bowie, everything is like so perfect and well produced. And even like when he sings live, like he does, you know, he always sounds so spot on. Not that that's produced. That's just David Bowie being David Bowie. And the fact that he let something hit the light of day, even if it was 15 years later, where he just sounds so human. Just like I want this song, I want this falsetto to work, but God just doesn't. It's like E for effort. <laughs> But, yeah, it doesn't score quite enough to make it to the album. Yeah. But lyrically, in the verses, it's all just, you know, everything's going to be better after today. It's just, it's just it's like shot of optimism. <laughs> As opposed to last, last episode. Where the world is meaningless and nothingness. This is, this is the <laughs> anti-Nietzsche. Yeah, I'll have to pay more attention to the lyrics next time I listen to this. Yeah, I do like how funky this song is, though. It's got a, it's The musicians are on point. They are really... It's, it's really snappy, it's really funky. 
Yeah, and to that note, I felt like the saxophone in it. Like, it really, it's, um, it reminds me of the kind of saxophone sound that would become kind of a staple in 80s pop music. Just that, like, kind of aggressive, omnipresent saxophone that's punctuating everything. Like, it, it almost sounds like it was just recorded separately and just thrown on top of it, but in, but in a good way. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's very, it's a sax solo. It's, it's very, like show-offy yeah it's, it's very it wants to be noticed yeah it's aggressive saxophone yeah is, that is, saxophone is insisting upon you it's just it's <laughs> notice me yeah who's playing sax on this song like bowie plays sax on a lot of songs but i feel like it's not him might be might be david sandburn yeah it's it's it doesn't sound like bowie's style of sax which is kind of rudimentary this is this more, is like, more like the sax that was on like after all, where it's just kind of brooding in the background. Was there saxophone? There's, in it all? sounds like there's some very like subtle saxophone in there, whereas this is just saxophone. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. for the for the listeners' benefit, there was a punch that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I forget that you're not seeing. There was a fist pump. There was a fist pump. Yeah. Saxophone. Um, yeah, I like the saxophone. Uh, it's like a lot of the saxophone in Young Americans. It's yeah. very aggressive, like you say. I like the drums. I like the uh, the bass line. It's really fun. Yeah. If, if you took out the vocals, it would just be like a fun little jazz song. I would probably listen to this a lot more as an instrumental. Even then, I mean, it's still... The only thing this song's got going against it is that it was left unfinished. Probably could have cleaned this up and made it a lot better. Yeah. But as it is, it's still interesting. It is. And I gotta, I, I do, I kind of like the pitchy falsetto. And it, and it reminded me of, of like Midnight Vultures era Beck a little bit. Like he might have heard this song in 1989 and been like, damn, I can sing some pitchy falsetto on my stuff and make it work. Yeah. Like it kind of reminded me of the falsetto in Deborah. Deborah, right. Which, which is definitely, I mean, that song is definitely Young Americans yeah. inspired. But we'll, we'll, have to get, we'll have to wait till the W's <laughs> to get to where that comes from. But again, this, uh, this is another one that, even if it was a, an afterthought and a throwaway, it, it lays down the DNA of a lot of stuff that came out in the 80s. It, it feels very tailor-made to be used on the soundtrack of an 80s movie over a montage of some scrappy underdog turning it all around. Like a training montage. Yeah, like a, it's that optimism. It's that optimism. It's just that like blind optimism that after today everything's gonna be swell. Like afraid. Like uh, hey, just do this thing and it'll all be great. Do you think this one is is ironic? Like afraid was. Or do you I think, I think this genuine? is. I feel like this is afraid's less cynical brother. Okay, so it's 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 really it really is. Optimistic. It feels genuinely from the heart. Yeah, Yeah. and and you know there's um, there's just enough chatter between the musicians at the beginning and at the tail end that you you get that feeling like they're just really having a good time working on this song and on this record. He just came in and was like, "I have this silly song. Let's try it out. Let's see how it works." Yeah, cool. Any covers (laughs) Um, today? There were no there were no covers that I that I could find, but internet. Make back do a cover of this song because it would be perfection. Go to moveon.org and form a petition. Form a petition. Sign the petition to make Beck cover basically all the 70s Bowie. 
Yeah. Why hasn't he put out an album of just Bowie covers from the 70s? Yeah. That feels like a thing that's acceptable to do these days. Yeah. Someone find Beck, tie his hands together, sit on him, and refuse to stand <laughs> up until after he assembles musicians and rents a studio. He has, or records a full album of Bowie covers, of Bowie songs from the 70s, and then you'll get off of him. He has to record the whole thing. Oh, <laughs> sitting on him. he can handle it. Yeah, he can totally do that. He's a Scientologist. They don't believe in pain anyway. Yeah, he has some magic powers. Um, yeah, what else can one say about after today? Not much. So Not let's much. go straight to ratings. I w- I'll give it two and a half. I don't even know what the metric would be. Plucky, uh, plucky underdog protagonists? Yeah, I'll give it two and a half plucky underdog protagonists. But I'll, I'll give it five successful post-song human beings for motivation. The song's a motivator. I give it five for, for motivation. <laughs> two for execution. Two and a half for execution. And most of those two stars, I'm sorry, sorry David Bowie, but most of those stars are for the, for the music on there. Yeah. In an alternate universe where this song had more polish to it, maybe it's going for five. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta give it two... Um, no, I I'm, I gotta give it one. I gotta give it one. Huh? Yeah, I will skip this easily. I I can't even I can't even get through the fun. I mean the the baseline, the build up at the very beginning, the awesome drums. It's just not enough to hook me in. Yeah, one plucky, optimistic <laughs> protagonist, doomed to ultimate obscurity. Yeah, your your training montage does not succeed. I'm sorry. <laughs> you fail. You're like, what's that movie with the training montage where the guy <laughs> eventually gets his butt kicked? It's just like that. Big, uh, yeah, it, it actually makes me think of this. I don't know if you remember the episode of South Park where uh, Stan coaches Pee Wee hockey and there's a training montage and then they end up like, they make it look like it's going to be this like great triumph, but that ends up just being Pee Wee hockey where they're just skating and falling all over themselves. <laughs> the ultimate anticlimax. Yeah. Kind of like the song. No, it's not that bad. I do like parts of it, but... If you want to hear David Bowie in a very vulnerable falsetto and, and recognize him as a human, listen to this song. Yeah. Alright. That's... That does it for his, uh... His, this, by the way, was recorded in, you know, of course, Sigma Sound in Philadelphia, so this is his Pennsylvania song. Uh, next time we'll talk about his Alabama song. No, <laughs> I like what you've done there. Uh, so, yeah, tune in next time. We'll talk about Alabama song. Until then, follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, fromme2ziggy.com. Leave a comment in the comments section. Leave anything in the comments section. That's what it's there for. <laughs> you know what you never want to do is tell the internet, do what you want with the comment section. <laughs> I can't wait to see what happens with that. <laughs> It's all right. We're adults. We can take a comment section. I immediately regret what I just said. <laughs> Search in vain for the comment section that I've just gone and uh, dis- disabled. <laughs> uh, and in the meantime, uh, yeah, check us out on Facebook. Leave us your recommendations. If you have a cover of a David Bowie song that you want to send to us, send it our way. Anything, really. Uh, have a favorite David Bowie song that you want to talk about? Join the Facebook page. And... Uh, Maybe we'll have you on. We're looking for guests. That's going to do it for this episode. Until next time, I'm Thomas. I'm Travis. And listen to some David Bowie. Goodbye. That's my
my AOL voice. Goodbye. Goodbye. Isn't that how Rocky ends? I've never um, actually seen Rocky, but I heard he like fails at the end. I've seen them all. It's been a long time. The first one, right? Was like, the first one? Yeah, no, I believe he does lose in the first. No, he wins in the first one. Oh. I think there's, I think there's a part where he loses in Rocky Three when he loses to Mr. T. But it's probably been like ten years since I watched Rocky.